Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. The Super Bowl is over. The season is over. That means I get to go back to having fun with the coin toss. Trey, I'm going to let you call heads or tails for this 10,000-sided coin. Heads or tails? (laughs) 10,000-sided coin. Okay. Uh, I guess heads, but just the first one. And it's heads. All right. You want the ball? Uh, Sure. All right. You know I'm kidding. It's a two-sided coin. It's an easy oh, man, one. I'm so worried there. I was <laughs> oh, I was so triggered. Uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, Antonio Brown is rostered in 69% of leagues in Sleeper. Should I drop him, yes or no? Trey, you got the ball. Uh, I don't think that you have to drop him at this point. So I would say in most situations, you could hold on to him a little bit longer, right? Because we... You probably still have like some dart throw handcuffs. You probably still have some dart throw young guys that just don't have that same level of upside. And yeah, I know he walked off the field like mid game, like probably burned a lot of bridges along the way, but he had a really good year going with the the Tampa offense before then. So I think he proved to the league that he still has what it takes. He just needs one team that's willing to take that risk on the personality and the volatility there. So I don't think it's worth it to drop quite yet Tarek what do you think man I think he burned 32 bridges <sighs> you should drop him um do you really think that or are you just saying that because of the structure of the coin toss who's to say Trey <laughs> <laughs> no honestly I mean I, I honestly I, I think like if you're rostering Tyler Johnson and Antonio Brown I would drop Tyler Johnson before I drop Antonio Brown but um you know if and I will say, if somebody dropped Antonio Brown, I'd I'd probably be dumb enough to pick him up. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with Trey here. I mean, it could absolutely like not work out at all. But we're talking about somebody whose value is essentially free right now, you know. So you're not giving up anything except for like one bench spot for the upside of a high end wide receiver too. So, yeah, I, I say go for it. For me, this is a very selfish coin toss. I have so many Antonio Brown shares. <laughs> And my finger hovers over that drop button all the time, and I can't do it. And it seems like, like I said, 69% of leagues can't do it either. But I I feel like I know deep down that those 32 bridges are on fire still. I don't know if they've burned all the way down, but my God, like, which team is going to be that team to take the risk? I, I don't really see it happening. I think he's just clogging my roster, and I'm stuck with him because I don't have the courage to do it. Yeah, and I'm not going to speculate which team could pick him up, uh, even though Dallas does seem like a great fit. Uh, but <laughs> I will say, I, I will say that I do think it's like good dynasty strategy to have guys like this on the end of your bench in the offseason, you know, like the just retired quarterback, like, you know, Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Andrew Luck is somebody that people have like picked up, you know, off the waivers like the last couple off seasons. So I do think like, it, because it's essentially free and it's all upside, like, you know, what's the harm in uh, throwing away a bench spot for a guy like that? All right. You, you're throwing away a fifth round draft pick. Where we where we draw on the line, Trey? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, no draft capital, probably. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be looking to make that move. But if somebody sent me an offer there, Antonio Brown for my fifth round pick. I guess if I had the roster space, yeah, why not? 
I mean, yeah, Trey, to your earlier point, it does kind of seem like a classic Dallas Cowboys reclamation project, doesn't it? <laughs> One could only hope. One could only dream, man. Antonio Brown replacing Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper in that offense, if uh, you know, if he's right. He like Trey said, he in terms of like getting targets when he was on the field, I think he was like top three yeah. in that category. Like two years in a row. Of, yeah, targets per route run. So He's still got it. He's just, um, he is volatile to say the least. Sounds great for the Cowboys. Still got it. He's just an idiot. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuia. With me today, Trey Cryan and Mitch Yates. Uh, John is at an MLS game, Austin FC, praising Treasus. So, you know, we we let him off for the night. Um, But Trey, Mitch, y'all are here. Trey, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Uh, we have officially entered off-season mode, so it's time to uh, do a little self-scouting, uh, update the ranks, and start putting out the uh, the, the trade offers. And uh, you know, I saw that you were weren't having a whole lot of luck in uh, the TLC league or the TLG show league uh, with uh, all those offers you sent out yesterday. Yeah, man, it's the beginning of the dynasty off-season. That means I'm spraying and praying those trade offers, and I'm getting a lot of rejections. But hey. One out of every 20 or 25 or so goes through. So, you know, you got to keep keep going. I do appreciate the offers you send. I mean, sometimes it is a little bit annoying, but it's I I think you've got this habit of like picking out where my ranks disagree with you. And then you'll send me an offer that you think that maybe you can capitalize on that. And then it's like, ah, shit, I know exactly what he's doing here. And like that means I need to go in, update the ranks or I got to (laughs) hit accept. And you're like forcing the issue there. So uh, you're keeping me honest, man. And I appreciate that. It's the podcast host in me, really. Uh, Mitch, what's what's going on with you, man? How how did you enjoy uh, Super Bowl Sunday? I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. Um, but back to what you guys were saying, man. I, this show has definitely made trading way more difficult than it used to be. We know each other way too well, and the people listening know know us way too well at this point. Because, uh, like Trey was saying. You have to go back and correct your ranks or just admit that you're wrong or just accept the trade. And it's a tough game we're playing right now. But the Super Bowl, Super Bowl was great. Um, I loved every second of it, man. It was a competitive game. It was what we were hoping for. Uh, The OBJ story for me is the one that really stings. Like the second he went down with that non-contact, it looked like an ACL. And you hate to see it. I think it came out today that it was an ACL. Yeah, confirmed. I love OBJ. Like it, it just... It sucks. He's finally at the top again for just that brief moment. And then it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, Mitch, completely agree with that, man. The uh, Rams looked like they were absolutely rolling until that injury happened. And then it kind of felt like, you know, the tides were turning the Bengals way. They're getting a little bit of momentum. You know, there was that costly turnover that was arguably the fault of, uh, you know, Ben Skoranek, uh, OBJ's backup. So uh yeah I, it definitely felt like the rams offense missed him once he was gone so maybe that's a good sign for his future with the uh rams but uh I, i've seen some people kind of speculating he might be uh you know looking at retirement now versus coming back from 
I think this is like his third time he's had an ACL tear no, in his career. Well, maybe, but his second or second or is third. It, I know he retore his left one. It's his second time essentially in a row, but his third time overall. Yeah, yeah that's tough. Yeah, his value is basically dust, man. Like you, you can't get anything for him. You, he's basically parked in your IR spot for. I mean, what else can you do, really? I guess you could trade him. Tarek disrespectfully offered me a fifth-round pick for him in one league. <laughs> I, I just, you know, declined, obviously. But that, that was probably on one of your on, on your tweet, actually. You uh, plastered Odell Beckham Jr. onto the trade block right after his uh, amazing touchdown. Uh, and then, yeah, less than that like an hour. That really well. Yeah, it's oh. rough, man. I'm, I'm a huge Odell Beckham Jr. fan. I have been... You know, since he entered the league, um, I've always kind of been ahead of market on him. So I uh, had him for a really long time. I basically trade everybody on my dynasty teams. But if I have Odell, I'll, I'll kind of hold him longer than I will anybody else. So it's a bummer. Um, you know, my reaction to the Super Bowl, great game. I, it wasn't obviously the shootout that maybe people were hoping for. And it wasn't the blowout that I thought it could be. Um, so I'm really happy we got a good game. Calling back to our halftime segment uh, last week, I was really like low-key disappointed that Cooper Cup won the MVP because I think Aaron Donald was definitely second in the race. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I had some money on Aaron Donald, but Cooper Cup deserved it. So, oh, totally, um, absolutely. Yeah, no worries. I think Donald got robbed. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to this main content of this episode. What we're doing today, we're in week three of our four-week series reviewing the 2021 rookie seasons. We're examining how they did and what we expect moving forward. And most importantly, you know, we're talking about what our thoughts are on their current market value. Today, uh, we're talking a sexy position. We're talking running backs. We'll mostly be going in order of draft capital, but um, we're probably going to jump around a little bit at the end to make sure we talk about the most important guys. So let's kick off this first half. And the first running back drafted in 2021 was at pick 24 overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris. That landing spot seemed kind of telegraph from the beginning of the process. So raw stats here. He finished the year with 307 rush attempts for 1,200 yards and 74 receptions for 467 yards with 10 total touchdowns. So Trey, Najee was essentially number one among running backs in virtually ever every volume stat, like weighted opportunities, targets, opportunity share, snap share. He was quite literally the workhorsiest of workhorses. So what's your opinion of Najee as a dynasty asset going into year two? Yeah, so in general, as I was prepping for today's episode, I, I definitely struggled a little bit with ranking running backs compared to receivers and quarterbacks. And I think it's just because uh, so much of this position is due to opportunity and usage. And, um, you know, I, I I struggle with, you know, trying to project situations, especially this far in advance without, you know, knowing uh, everything we'll know by the time the season starts. So I'm making a lot of assumptions in my ranks right now, but that said, uh, let's start with Najee Harris, right? So if you drafted this guy uh, with your rookie pick last year, I think you have to be happy with this first year performance, right? So, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't necessarily a great situation, but he commanded a ton of value. He definitely returned value on your first round pick that you used. And, you know, he turned that into a trip to the Pro Bowl. So uh, pretty great rookie year, all things considered. Um, 
Now, looking at his ranking, though, I think the question is, is there really any upside in this rank for 2022 versus 2021? You know, so it's hard to imagine for me, at least, that he's going to take a massive step forward unless he you know, goes to score like 20 something touchdowns, which I don't think is going to happen in that Pittsburgh offense next year. Uh, you combine that with the fact that he's going to be 24 in March. You know, he's already a year older than guys like uh, JT and uh, DeAndre Swift, you know, so uh, he's probably already at his ceiling in terms of production and, um, you know, efficiency for the NFL. So I just don't really see a ton of upside. So I don't think he's a strong buy at his current price, which is a top three running back for dynasty. So I think there's kind of two ways you can play it. You can hold and you can just bank that guaranteed, you know, mid to low end running back one production for next year in the foreseeable future. Or you could, you know, try to flip him for somebody with a little bit more upside in that range. Um, but I do think there's something to be said for just having to set it and forget a guy like Najee Harris in your starting lineup. I agree. You got to feel you got to feel really good. You got to feel really good if you drafted him or if you even took him in a startup. Uh, he's big, strong, and fast, and can catch the ball. Like he can be a third, uh, like a three-down back. Uh, the Steelers are going to have a new quarterback next year also, so I get the feeling Najee is going to be heavily involved no matter what happens, like you said, next year, years to come. Like, if there is a safe running back pick in Dynasty, he'd probably be the safest one. And there's no such thing. I'm not saying there's a safe pick. Um, but he he was consistent, man. Those, those stats don't lie either, even though Tarek, uh, I believe you say Najee is average. Every time you see him run the ball, he looks average. Yeah, n- known hater, Tarek. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, he's my RB8. So I'm five spots behind the keep trade cut ranking of RB3. And uh, Najee is functionally tied with DeAndre Swift for the running back too. And, you know, I mean, my concerns are that, you know, like Trey said, he's already 24. Um, and like we don't have great stats for evaluating running back talent. Um, But the ones we do have like rushing yards over expectation and yards created, uh, he, he performs pretty mediocre in, if not below average. So 2.72 yards created per touch was number 30. He's even worse in uh, rushing yards over expectation, which I don't have uh, right in front of me, but you know, he's a really good and talented receiver. And I will also say that that week 17 game against Cleveland, where he had a couple of explosive plays did show me um, that he's got more speed and explosiveness than I was maybe giving him credit for throughout the first 16 weeks of the season. Um, So I could see my ranking of him going up a little bit as I kind of digest his rookie season and kind of put him in relationship to Saquon Barkley and Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler, who are all ahead of him right now, um, just because of his guaranteed workload. But it's really hard for me when I know that Eckler and Cook and Barkley are extremely and supremely talented running backs. Um, it's just it's just hard for me to get him up there. I think all those guys you mentioned are going to outscore Najee Harris in 2022. Uh, But I think we do have to factor in that, you know, he is going to have more expected years left just because of his age than those guys. Right. So, um, you know, I'm not going to like split hairs with you, but he he just seems to me like running back eight is his absolute floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why I've got him up to running back four, which is a little bit closer in line with the keep trade cut market. 
What keep trade cut has him at two? Is that or like yeah. two or three? Like yeah. virtually tied with DeAndre Swift. Right. Yeah. I I got him at four four with you, Trey. I I feel exactly the same way. Like he's has such a high floor with just like we've mentioned this before. He had nineteen targets or nineteen catches and or one of those in a game. I mean, the dude yeah, is in every aspect of their offense. So Right. There is room for them to get a quarterback upgrade over the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. And maybe that offensive line, either they draft some guys, they bring in somebody in free agency, or they just start playing better. That kind of happens sometimes with offensive line units year over year uh, to where the situation could get better around him. It's just the stats that I have uh, to evaluate what Najee Harris does with and above his situation. Um, it, it, it makes it difficult for me to believe in his talent, um, thus far, but you know, I agree with y'all that he has the floor and it's worth saying that essentially that, uh, tier between running back four or so and running back 12 or so is a pretty big tier where they're mm-hmm. relatively mm-hmm. interchangeable, at least in my rankings. I don't think it's really like that on keep trade cut, but for me, I kind of value those really uh, slightly older, very talented running backs and those young uh, running backs who are not quite sure about their talent yet. Uh, I kind of value them in the same range for Dynasty. Gotcha. Uh, let's move on to the next guy, Travis Etienne, who was picked 25th overall by the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Jaguars. <laughs> After which, uh, Urban Meyer publicly wished Kadarius Tony would have fell to them kind of like the first or second faux pas and urban Myers uh checkered first year and final idiot. year um and as we know he suffered the liz frank injury in the first preseason game as and was ruled out for the season soon afterward mitch uh etn was a super productive player in college that also had a very high grade from lance zerline coming into the 2021 draft and uh draft and we generally like lance zerline's grades uh and prospecting He's a bit of a polarizing player, though, um, through the process, and no one's priors were really able to be confirmed this year because, you know, he didn't Mm -hmm. play. So what do you think about ETN moving forward? Well, he's higher ranked than the pre-injury because of two factors. Our favorite coach on this podcast, Urban Meyer, was shit-canned, and James Robinson tore his Achilles. Yep. Uh, Tarek, I'm going to have to pat ourselves on the back on this one just because we've been talking about it so much on this podcast. We were saying it back in August, like when ETN went down, got injured. We've been talking about how his value is that of a first round pick. Um, it We've been saying it's going to appreciate in value the longer you hold. And this is a prime example of why you want to buy low on a highly insulated player like ETN. Um, he fell from running back 16 to 25 on keep trade cut when he got hurt. And he's climbed all the way back up to as far as 14. And he didn't even play fucking football. Like, all he did was break his foot off in Urban Meyer's ass and chill, right? So going off in uh, in a 2022, no matter what our priors were last offseason, we need to clean the slate and start now because this is not the same situation. He's basically entering his rookie year all over again, but this time he has a clear path to that starting role. And the Jags, bless their hearts, uh, they got to be better now, right? Or, I mean, they have They to. can't be worse. Yeah. And even if they're still shit, I'm expecting a good season from Etienne because he's got that top 10 upside because James Robinson has had top 10 upside in this shit offense, and he's not going to be there at first. Um, So with both players in the mix, I don't know, right? But if I have Etienne, I'm looking to sell now or hold on a little bit longer. 
Um, I do think his value will grow a little bit more, um, especially if you ride with him into the season and uh, he pops off early. Um, but if you wait too long and J-Rob comes back, I kind of see ETN as more of a, you know, uh, top-end RB2 at best. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, so for me, I mean, this is a guy who I really liked coming into the uh, the rookie draft, you know, because of all the reasons Tarek mentioned, you know, he had the first round draft capital, he had all the passing game work, he had some great size, speed, production uh, profile. So uh, his injury definitely paints an incomplete picture here, you know, and I, I don't know that, I, I think that my main concern is because he missed his rookie year, like that first round draft capital, like doesn't carry as much weight, especially with uh coaching change and a, you know, a new offense coordinator coming in, a new head coach coming in. So it, it's almost like he's got to start from, you know, day one, like all over again, he's got to like compete for the job with J Rob, because I, I do think, you know, J Rob's going to be back. Uh, we, we know the Achilles isn't the, uh, the death note that it was, you know, 10 years ago. Right. So, um, I'm not, I don't think he's a strong buy at running back 15. I mean, he definitely has upside, but so do guys like Derek Henry and Alvin Kamara that are going in that same range. So it's, it's yeah. really hard for me to take ETN over guys like that when they're similarly valued right now on, on keep trade cut. Okay. Well, let me ask you a, a little bit more of a pointed question about his value, just because we're about to be getting into 2022 rookie season. So say you're on the clock and you're in position to draft whoever your running back one is in the 2022 class. Uh, would you trade ETN away or would you trade that pick away for ETN or would you just go ahead and pull the trigger on the rookie? Without digging into the rookies uh, you know, too much at this point, I think I'm still leaning ETN over any rookie running back from this class. So I'm not really convinced that anybody uh, yet is you know, going to end up in a better situation with a better rookie profile than what etn has going into year two yeah i'm very early in on the process but i think uh i might take Brees hall over etn um b before knowing landing spot but we'll see uh you, you guys mentioned the coaching change i mean again we, we kind of like to fade uh situational narrative but doug peterson uh i like to the higher for Trevor Lawrence, but uh, as far as a running backs coach, Doug Peterson tends to use a lot of committees. Right. Um, so it could be I like a Miles think... Sanders, like Jordan Howard situation, right? Right, right. I mean, I think you know, one year when Doug Peterson was uh, the head coach in Philadelphia, he was all about the Darren Sproles retread, right? So um, he's he 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 uses a lot of running backs there. So I, I I'm not sure we should project. Um, ETN with the same amount of upside that uh, somebody like the pod father over at player profiler does. He's got him ranked as an RB one. Well, uh, Mitch, you got something? Yeah, it's just it seems like to me you guys are saying you would sell almost the first overall pick in the draft for ETN this year. In a one Q in a one QB league, I I would consider it. Well, no, I because I wouldn't because I, I would take uh, probably three or four different wide receivers at this point. Yeah, I mean, with the one overall pick, that's that's leverage. That's why I structured the question in terms of if you were in position to draft the RB1 from your 2022 rookie running back ranks, would you trade that away uh, for ETN? Not the 101. No, I right? get that. I'm just saying that um, his price isn't really represented the same in keep trade cut if you guys look at it that way. So it, 
Okay. It's just it's interesting to see how low the value is of the the current value of the 2022 draft picks. I mean, if ETN is basically like a top three pick. Yeah, and to be fair, I do need to dig more into the rookies. Uh, so we'll get to that next month. Yeah, we're we're getting after this series. That's what we're going to. All right, uh, let's move on to the next 2021 rookie running back, and that was Javante. Pookie Williams drafted pick 35 overall to the Denver Broncos. Uh, They traded up a few spots with Atlanta to nab him ahead of the Dolphins, which is why we got Miles Gaskin 2.0 this year. Uh, He had 203 rushes for 903 yards uh, and 43 receptions for 316 receiving yards. Also had seven total touchdowns. Trey, it seems like Javante's current dynasty value at running back four on keep trade cut. To me, that signals it more or less assumes he's going to have the backfield to himself next year. He's the youngin of this group at only 21.8 years old. But how are you feeling about Pookie? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this current value kind of prices in all of that upside already. Uh, And even if they did bring Melvin Gordon back, I think you have to project Javante Williams to eat into Gordon's share or whoever the running back to share is uh, for next year, right? Because it's going to be year two. His role should grow in that offense, right? So I'm not very far behind keep trade cut here. I've got him as my running back five. So the four guys I would take over him, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, and Najee Harris. Otherwise, I'm totally fine with taking Pookie as the next running back off the board. I do have him in the same uh, similar tier as guys like Eckler and Barkley. And I don't, because all of that value is kind of priced into where he's at right now, I I, I don't think he's a strong buy at this point. You know, it's he's either a hold or maybe a slight sell if you can get a great offer. Now, a guy like Barkley to me is really undervalued right now. You might be able to get Barkley and like a late first you know, or a late future first to um, move Javante Williams right now, which I think I would do smash. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. So, you know, I, I, I do like the coaching hire. I think there's some upside in this offense. Um, you know, he's a super talented guy, but uh, all of that's kind of priced into the, uh, the value right now um, as yeah. it currently stands, man, that's crazy. I actually have Javante at running back eight. I'm the lowest on the pod here and I have Saquon at running back six. So I don't think I'd make that deal. But running back four, man, that's that's really, really high. And I don't have anything negative to say about the guy either. He's shown he can be the guy. And um, I'm just not buying that he's going to be necessarily a top 10 running back in 2022. And yeah. like, as you mentioned, he's 21 point whatever years old. Like, he's super young and he's going to be around much longer than Melly. So, um it's just the next year thing doesn't quite do it for me. And he's a running back. And if I'm paying for a running back, I usually want to win right then and there. So, um, but again, the difference between running back eight and running back four is really that, that gap is quite small. So I love the player. Um, he could be a top 10 guy next year and I wouldn't be surprised. So, you know, it's just, we're splitting hairs here, boys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things I've, I've talked about before is using redraft ranks to help with these evaluations. And there's some very, very early preliminary redraft ranks out there that have him as like running back 11 or 12, you know? So that's essentially assuming there is no risk of Melvin Gordon re-signing and, you know, kind of putting him in that 50-50 timeshare again. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, the, he's kind of, not completely, uh, but kind of the counterpoint to those yards created stats uh, that I was mentioning with Najee Harris. So he had 3.42 yards created per touch, which was number 11 among running backs. So we knew when he came into the league that that was his strong suit, right, was uh, breaking tackles, kind of ev- uh, juke, evading tackles, kind of getting out of trouble and making something out of nothing. And that that bore out in the stats. Um, I just I tend to agree with y'all here. Uh, he's my running back seven. So I'm a little bit behind the market here. And it's 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 simply because like I do agree with Trey. I think next year his opportunity share, which was 50.5 percent last year, should even if they bring Melvin Gordon back, get up into the 60, 65 percent share range. But that's going to make him, you know, with good efficiency, a low end running back one. Right. Right. Um, So, yeah, I I think we're in lockstep here. He's a he's kind of a slight sell. All right. Let's move on to uh, the San Francisco backfield situation. And I want to talk about these two guys together. And clearly one matters a lot more than the other one. It's just thinking back six months. It's very surprising which one. Of course, that was uh, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. So Sermon was drafted 88th overall. San Francisco traded two-fourths to move up and go get him. And then Mitchell was drafted more than 100 picks later at 194th overall in the sixth round. So we know Trey Sermon barely played the infamous healthy scratch in week one, whereas Elijah Mitchell, he finished the year with 207 attempts for 963 yards as well as 19 receptions for 137 receiving yards, coupled that with six total touchdowns. And that was in only 11 games. So Mitch, uh, thinking back to post week one, you were very quick to elevate Elijah Mitchell over Trey Sermon. And I was not so quick, unfortunately. So two questions. How are you valuing Mitchell moving forward? And does Sermon hold much value at all for you? Well, I think I caught a little shit for that take, too, if I recall. Oh, uh, you did. I gave oh. you shit. <laughs> um, well, it looked like an overreaction. And with decent reasoning, like, let's look back. At the same time, Shanahan was being real cute with Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. And the the running back situation looked to be unclear, too. And in hindsight, it was actually really clear. Like, what happened was obvious. Mitchell was impressive and basically won the starting job he was the one b and sermon was like you said that healthy scratch and he was relegated to reading scripture right so shanahan was actually really honest in regards to the running back by committee like there was a clear one and that was mitchell whenever he was healthy the two and three was jeff wilson jr and jamichael hasty and sermon was playing caboose like mitchell was famously retaining the starting job and the massive snap share despite getting injured twice at two different points in the season And, you know, that says a lot to me about who sits atop the mountain in San Francisco. So moving forward, I'm valuing Elijah Mitchell a lot higher than I thought I was going to. Um, But I still have him at running back 20. And so keep trade cut has him at running back 19. It feels a little disrespectful, but it tells me that's a buy because there very well could be a point during the season where he's looking like a top five running back. And um, I think he's going to peak a lot higher than the guys that I have next to him in my rankings, like Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery, because those are more of the take what you take what you see kind of guys. But he may not outperform them for a whole season. So what I really want to do is gather any 49er handcuffs that are not named Trey Sermon next year. Um, And because I feel like any running back can look like a star in that backfield. I mean, Debo Samuel looks better than all of them, and he's a wide receiver, right? 
So I'm not going to go out of my way for any of those 49er handcuffs now. I'm going to be waiting towards uh, early of the season and the preseason while that shakes out. But yeah. I, I, I think Elijah Mitchell's a buy right now if he's really running back 19 or 20. Yeah, and I don't think any of the handcuffs are under contract either, except for Trey Sermon at this point, right? So, I, you know, if you're just looking at projecting that backfield today, I think you have to say Elijah Mitchell's the number one, Trey Sermon's the number two, and then it's like, you know, to be determined who else they're going to sign or bring into that running back I room. still think he's the number four. Well, but there's nobody else under contract. Like, everybody else That's is a free agent. That's how bad I think he like, is, is what I'm saying. But I <laughs> so you're saying the running back two for the 49ers is not on the roster Correct. Yet. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I, I mean, yeah. So, Sermon is the running back two until he isn't, right? So, right. Um, I mean, at Mitchell's price, that's not really a screaming sell to me, but I do kind of view him the same way as a guy like James Robinson from a year ago, right? Like a guy with, you know, very poor draft capital who stepped into a good situation and brought a little bit of talent with him, and, you know, absolutely capitalized. So, um, there's just other running backs in that range that I like a lot more that I think you could package a third with potentially, you know, get like a guy like Elijah Moore or Devonte Smith. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of disagree that he's a buy at this point, just because there's not a whole lot of job security in that offense specifically, but also for a guy with that profile and that late round draft capital. Yeah, he had an 80.3% opportunity share uh, when he was playing for the uh, the 49ers, which was number three. So, man, Kyle Shanahan really liked him. And yeah. like I said on, on the podcast, you know, probably a couple months ago now, is like he came off of the injury two or three times mm-hmm. and every single time Shanahan just kept feeding him. So, you know, I... I agree that with Trey that it's kind of reminiscent of James Robinson who had a massive opportunity share in his rookie year as well. But, uh, at the same time, you know, I'm essentially willingly and admittingly buying into the Shanahanigans again here because I have Elijah Mitchell ranked three spots ahead of the keep trade cut ranking. Um, but I do, I like what you said there, Trey, if there's an opportunity to kind of pivot to a young receiver, uh, with you know some cheap draft capital attached, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I said this the other episode, like Elijah Mitchell to get Elijah Moore would be an excellent uh, pivot to that wide receiver. Trey even tried that on me, but I did not. I sure did. Unsuccessfully. But hey, it's a I good idea. <laughs> hey, we we have a Elijah Mitchell share in the breakout league, Mitch. So uh, maybe before this episode airs, we need to send out some offers. That might be a good idea. <laughs> All right. Mic check. It is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. You know, we're done with games, so we can't really do prop bets now. I mean, there are NFL prop bets out there, like Super Bowl futures, a little bit of number one overall draft pick for the 2022 NFL draft. So as those prop bets get a little bit more interesting, we'll probably bring it back. But for now... We're going to have to switch up halftime a little bit. So today on halftime, I'm going to ask the two of you to give me an early offseason narrative that's kind of already taking shape that you're either buying or fading. And I'm going to give one too. But Trey, let's start with you. Okay. So watching the Super Bowl, uh, you know, watching the Rams victory, I felt like as soon as the Rams won that game, we started seeing these takes on Twitter that. Well, Sean McVay is about to get married and wants to start a family. Maybe he's going to step away. 
you know, Aaron Donald's about to turn 31. Maybe he's, you know, ready to retire at this point. And it just feels like speculation to me. And I don't see guys at the top of their game who have, you know, worked and fought for so long and are in a position to run it back in a position to go win another one, just step away like this. So I, I'm kind of fading this Rams retirement uh, narrative going on right now. And, you know, you just look at the Super Bowl victory uh, parade today in L.A. Aaron Donald was quoted, you know, yelling into the microphone saying, might as well bring it back or run it back next year. So, look, I'm buying that the Rams are going to bring the game back together and go for another title run. So I don't for see. Sure. I, I just don't see it. I completely agree. And yeah, you've, you've seen a lot of the reports out there that are like they can essentially create $70 million in cap space with some restructures, right? So the cap is crap. Uh, like uh, Chris Harris says, it, it's not real. They can they can extend it for as long as they want. Uh, and there's a lot of money to be made. So oh, I, yeah. I, the cap is actually in Dogecoin now and nobody <laughs> really knows how it works. So you know, yeah, seriously. After watching those Super Bowl ads, it seems like the entire league is now crypto. Did you salaries. know that you should buy buy some fucking crypto, dude? <laughs> we are descending further and further into hell. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I will give my early offseason narrative. Uh, it's and I'm crypto, f- isn't it? <laughs> it is not. Uh, I, I'm fading this narrative, and it is the infamous the the narrative we hear almost every offseason it's the social media scrub so when players delete all association with their current team from social media and twitter gets in a fucking tizzy so kyler murray recently did it as reports about his leadership skills swirled around and uh hilariously hollywood brown did it last night when reports were surfacing about him retiring to pursue a career in twitch streaming and and that ended up being a troll by his own admission so don't buy that this social media scrubbing is anything meaningful moving forward. It's worth noting that both of those players, Kyler and Hollywood, just became eligible for extensions. So a move like this is, I think, usually orchestrated by their agents to put public pressure on the organization to send an initial offer. Both Kyler and Hollywood have been buys for me in the early offseason, and a social media scrub hasn't changed anything. It's just not worth your time for worry. And if it inserted any uncertainty into their trade market, I, I would be sending offers. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many things these guys can do to negotiate better offers, and this is one of them. So it's like the lowest stakes thing you could possibly do to get an extra, you know, couple thousand dollars attached to your contract. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes could not be lower. All right, Mitch, what do you got? <laughs> well, um, I've got something to believe in, some something to get behind here. Uh, we we all know that the NFL is a copycat league, and the last two Super Bowls were won by a quarterback that was previously on a different team. Okay. Uh, we got Stafford and we got Tom Brady, and I think that there are several teams in the NFL looking to do the same thing right now. Uh, honestly, I can't think of the last time that more quarterbacks have been in question of where they're going to play next year. Like Roethlisberger and Brady retiring, maybe. Uh, Russell Wilson wants a trade. Kyler's scrubbing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is an <laughs> asshole. Can't forget about him. Uh, Baker Mayfield sucks. Uh, who knows what the Texans are going to do? Jimmy G's yeah. running around. You know, you get the point, right? We got a weak quarterback class. Um, but there are a few teams out there that I feel like are in that in that window, like the the Broncos, for example, 
Um, they've they've been trying the average quarterback, and it hasn't been working for them. And those teams, like I've been thinking about selling assets like Sutton or uh, Judy or players like that, but it's always been in the back of my mind that I think the Broncos are actually going to do something. I think that they are actually going to go for a quarterback this offseason yeah. and go for that. With all those uh, contracts they were signing, uh, they were real head scratchers at the time because, like, you know, they're they're passing the ball to 10 different players on offense and they're Drew Locke's bounce passing the fucking ball. And that, I think that that's got to change and I think it's going to change. And the Panthers are another team that I'm kind of looking at here uh, that might make a run at the quarterback because we all know that Sam Darnold is not their savior. So um, I am going to be a little more patient this offseason with shares on teams with bad quarterback situation just because there are so many possible scenarios that we can only speculate at this point. So I'm not going to be quick to sell somebody in a bad situation this offseason. Yeah, and the the Broncos have the ninth overall pick. So even if they do not necessarily make a big move for Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you know, if they get a riser like Matt Corral or Sam Howell or something like that, just in terms of dynasty value, uh, guys like Sutton and Judy and and Fant, they're going to experience a little bit of a bump there. So I, I think that's fair. Yeah, there's been a couple of teams that have been linked to these guys. Like uh, I've heard Washington uh, linked to Russell uh, Wilson, which is kind of interesting to me. Uh, but then they've also been linked to uh, Jimmy G, you know, like potentially oh. sending a first round pick to San Francisco in return. So, yeah, the one thing I wanted to take issue with Mitch's little spiel there is he said, uh, quote unquote, Jimmy G is running around and that is not true. No. Jimmy G is not no, no, running. No. He is standing like a statue. No, dude, he's <laughs> running around trying to knock on people's fucking doors and seeing who's going to let him in, man. <laughs> dude, needs he's walking. Yeah. He's walking around. <laughs> An extremely good looking statue. Uh, uh, so, uh, I basically talked about social media scrubbing. Don't buy it. Trey talked about fading the Rams retirement talk and Mitch talked about, you know, being patient with, uh, dynasty assets that are in bad quarterback situations because things can change. I like it. All right, let's kick off this second half. And first running back we're going to talk about here is president Michael Carter, Picked in the second ra- uh, second pick of the fourth round to the New Jersey Jets. He played in 14 games, had 147 rushes for 639 yards, added 36 receptions for 325 receiving yards with four total touchdowns. Trey, Carter peaked at around about a 70% snap share there in the middle of the season before missing some games and returning at the end of the season. Uh, at 5'8", 201, there may be some additional worry about him getting nicked up at least more often than RBs already do, which is all the time. But uh, what do you think about President Kata? Well, so if you pick this guy with uh, early to mid-second round pick last year, I think you got to be happy with uh, how his rookie year went. I mean, he was not a, a difference maker at the running back position, but I think it was a pretty solid year that he can build on. And you uh, you mentioned the injury risk. You know, he's actually got uh, more body mass than uh, Elijah Mitchell, and they run in a very similar scheme. So, you know, he's almost less of an injury risk than a guy like Elijah Mitchell, which we didn't we didn't even talk about the risk to him in that offense, you know. Uh, And but looking at Michael Carter's rookie year, he was the running back one overall in week eight against Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And he had five other weeks where he ended up in the uh, 
the top 24 out of 14 games total. So really not great production, but there wasn't a whole lot of great production going around in that offense last year. So he's a guy who I think is getting faded by the market quite a bit because of his poor situation. So this is actually one where I do think this is a, a decent buy opportunity. I think I like Carter uh, at this price right now. He's he's a good pass catcher. And I think if you look at where he's going right now, he's like destined to outperform this like high-end running back three rating that he's currently getting in uh, you know best ball drafts or whatever. So he's not okay. somebody I would target aggressively, but I think that he's going to give you like decent upside, especially compared to the incoming, incoming rookies. And he's probably going to be undervalued through the offseason. So, you know, I mean, he's going to the same range as guys like, you know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire right now, which I would definitely mm-hmm. take Michael Carter over. As you yeah, should. me too. Yeah, I, I don't know if I fully agree with you. I mean, you know, keep trade cuts, not perfect, but running back 21 on keep trade cut is not a super big fade, in my opinion. Um, I have him a little bit lower than that. I think uh, it looks like you're kind of right at consensus there. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that's a huge fade, uh, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, he had an 11.5% target share, which is really solid for a running back. He had nine yards per reception, which is also really great. He was pretty good at yards created. So he did well with his opportunities. But Mitch, what do you think about President Carter? I'm a big fan. I still love him. Um, I'm right in stride with Keep Trade Cut. I have him at 21. Uh, the, the, the problem is the Jets, you know, like they're still in New Jersey. They didn't wake up another state. They're still bad. Uh, but Carter looked great at times. And the, the other thing, though, is like some of the other scrubs look great at times, too. Like Ty Johnson actually looked pretty good at times. And like, I, you know, I'm not investing anything in him. But there there was some some really uh, bright spots at times in that offense, which makes me cautiously optimistic. I do have Carter shares. I don't know if I'm like going for more than what I have right now. Um, but I'm not looking to sell them either. Like, I'm curious what the what the future holds for Carter. Um, I'm going to be higher on him than guys like Clyde. Um, in a startup, I may lean towards him a little more heavily, just like, or a little earlier, I guess, just because of his youth. And I've said it before, but I kind of like what the Jets are doing. God, ugh, that hurts out loud. But, you know... <laughs> <sighs> yeah, hey, I'm I, I'm in on the Jets offense as well. I, I also kind of hope that I think they have the 10th overall pick. I hope they go Drake London or or Garrett Wilson or Traylon Burks there. I think that'd be really fun. I think that'd open up a nice little potential buying window for our guy Elijah Moore. Kind of reminds me of like a poor man's uh, Antonio Gibson and um, J.D. McKissick. That's what this offense reminds me of. So why, why is that? Just like the... The style of running back where they that the Gibson and Carter are both good at receiving it, and they you know they both got the same kind of wiggle, and then their backups Ty Johnson and McKissick both are like good receiving backs that are performing better in fantasy. So um, I feel like you're getting the same sort of return with these guys, just at a much cheaper price. Yeah, and just thinking about the backup situation and and this rotation, I, I you have to in my mind, you have to model the Jets offense after what they do in San Francisco because that's where this coaching staff is coming from. Uh So I do think they want to have a lead guy, you know, take over this offense. And I think that guy is going to be Carter. And the only reason you have, uh, you know, Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman sightings last year is because this guy was a fourth round rookie, you know? So they're going to like give him a chance to kind of, you know, bring this along and adjust to the NFL, which I think he did. 
so yeah, I agree with you guys. I think this offense takes a step forward in year two. I don't think they're going to be worse than they were in the first year of this new regime. And I think Carter will, will benefit from that. And it's too bad. John's not here to uh, disagree with all of us. Yeah. Uh, let's noted, uh, noted actually, Michael Carter fan. <laughs> let's uh, skip over uh, the next guy who was drafted, who is Kenne Nwangwu to the Vikings. I mean, you know, he, he was pretty good in the return game. He, he might have some handcuff appeal uh, down the line, but not right now, as long as Alexander Madison is there, but Ramondre Stevenson, he was drafted with the 15th pick of the fourth round by the New England Patriots. He had 133 attempts for 605 rushing yards, as well as 14 receptions for 123 yards. Coupled that with five total touchdowns. Mitch, Ramondre had some pop games week 10 and week 17 specifically with 22 plus PPR points. And he's got his fair share of truthers out there. New England backfields are notoriously hard to project, but could Stevenson buck the trend here? Or what do you think? Well, I've established plenty of times on this show that I cannot stand the Patriots running back by committee, but Josh McDingdong is gone. So maybe I can <laughs> lay off the throttle on that narrative. Mc, uh, McDaniel, sorry. Uh, so I have Ramondre Stevenson at uh, running back 34. So I'm not what you would call a truther. I think he's a pretty good running back that currently costs a little more than I'm willing to pay. So I'm not actively looking to buy. I think if you have Stevenson, you should look to sell too. As Tarek mentioned, there's a market for this dude. You could probably get a good return. Keep Trade Cut has Juju, pick 2.03, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, all about the same value. And I'm most likely taking all of those over Ramondre, but I'm probably going to try and get more. I'd be looking at like Ramondre and a third for Darrell Henderson and a second, something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Trey, you like, you like Ramondre, right? Well, I, I liked Ramondre Stevenson going through the draft process because, uh, you know, even though he was a late round pick, you know, day three, he had a really awesome, uh, size adjusted, uh, lateral agility profile. So it just, that's something that you can look for in these later round picks. Like you got to just go for the plus athletes you know, that are just going to force themselves into good situations. And he's a pass catcher. So yeah, I, I agree. He's going to be extremely frustrating in the Pats offense. I think you got to compare him right now to Damian Harris. Uh, he's a year younger than Harris. And Harris just had 15 total touchdowns last year, but he only finished with 14 PPR points per game, which was 18 uh, at the running back position. So even with all that touchdown work that he got, like he was not any more than a running back too. So I think we just saw Damian Harris's ceiling. And I think we all agree that Stevenson's ceiling is a little bit higher than that. So I'm totally fine with moving Stevenson over Damian Harris at this point in, in your ranks. I've got him right next to each other. Um, but yeah, agreed. He's not somebody that I'm going to actively go and target right now because I just don't think he's going to end up returning a ton of value unless there's a LeGarrette Blunt type situation which i don't really want to go bet on yeah i definitely prefer stevenson to damian harris um you know calling back to the prospecting process on Ramondre stevenson the narrative around him was that maybe his athletic testing numbers were depressed by uh, a case of covid um he had a 35.4 percent juke rate per player profiler which was number four in the nfl he had over three yards created per touch which is you know above average um, so yeah, I, I do have him a couple spots below the keep trade cut ranking. 
Um, but I think, you know, if you're going to take a shot on a Patriots running back, it would be this guy, but uh, I'm not actively looking. Man, when you're, when you're 240 pounds, you run the shuttle like this guy does, like we need to take notice for this year's draft class. Yeah. Yeah. So let's finish out the show by talking about three handcuffs. Uh, we're going to talk about Chuba Hubbard, Kenny Gainwell and Khalil Herbert. So Trey, why don't you take us through Chuba? All right. So Chuba Hubbard, he returned value, but only in the softest way possible this year. Uh, he proved he can be a handcuff in the NFL, right? Which I think we all kind of agreed so was. Soft. Yeah, we we <laughs> Chuba Sharman Hubbard. <laughs> yeah, like, soft, ultra soft. Sorry. Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Hubbard stepped in. He didn't look terrible. So I think that's exactly kind of what we expected was, you know, in his range of outcomes. I don't think he'll ever be a lead back in the league. Uh, look, I mean, I, last week I mentioned that he's a guy I would rather have than Nico Collins. Uh, and I think that's true, but that says more about Nico Collins and his lack of upside and how I value handcuffs in general than anything about Chuba Hubbard specifically. So if he falls a lot in a startup, you know, it's not a bad idea to get him, but there's a lot other cheaper guys out there that'll give you the exact same thing. Somebody like Darrell Williams, for example. Yeah. I, I, I'm just laughing because I feel like I'm not going to be able to stop calling Chuba Hubbard Charmin Hubbard from now on. <laughs> just because you said he did it in the softest way possible. Extra soft. Extra it, soft. It's ultra soft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mitch, uh, what do you got for Kenneth Gainwell? Well, I was pretty high on this guy once upon a time, and, you know, he didn't do that poorly. I still like this dude. He's still worth more than where I think keep trade cut has him, which is that they're giving him a third round value 3.06 pick. Uh, so yeah, he's a good buy low uh, playmaker. Like he's a running back that kind of has his own niche in that offense, like a Naeem Hines where he's going to be getting uh, plays actually designed for him. He's going to be catching balls out of the backfield. So his value doesn't really have anything to do with what they're uh, rolling out at running back. So if Miles Sanders is the lead guy or Jordan Howard or whoever the fuck they're throwing out there, doesn't really matter. This guy's going to get his, and it's not very much. So unless he starts to like carve a bigger role in the offense, he's just going to be one of those dudes that hangs out on your bench. But there's a chance he gets more involved. Like uh, He showed flashes of, like, Pretty good play last year, and they were actually designing goal line or uh, red zone plays for him. So he's a dude I'm keeping an eye on. If I traded for him last year, I likely spent like a second round pick on him anyway. So I'm not going to be flipping him for his current price, but I'm not going out of my way to get him currently either. Yeah, Mitch, I, I agree. I do think he's undervalued if that's his current price right now. So mm -hmm. for a high third, I think that's, um, you know, that's a decent return. A guy like Gainwell, who could absolutely be a bye week or an injury fill-in in a PPR format. So that's not a, a bad guy to have on the the top of your bench. For sure. He's he's a good player. Uh, looking at our ranks, John has him the highest at running back 35. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, we all have him at running back 41. But yeah, he's a good player. I, th I think he's a high-value handcuff. Um, I think he's probably going to get more opportunities moving forward rather than less. I think there was some weird weeks when they elected to play Jordan Howard and, 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 you know, Miles Sanders was in and out of the lineup. I, th I think Kenneth Gainwell is a good player. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it as well. Agreed. All right. I'll talk Khalil Herbert who went in the 32nd 
uh uh sorry 30 second round Oof. yeah <laughs> 30 second round or Khalil Herbert Dude sucks. yeah he 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 went uh in the sixth round the 32nd pick of the sixth round to the Bears Oof. uh he had 103 rushes for 433 yards 14 receptions 96 yards only two touchdowns but uh between I believe week six and eight he averaged 15.4 PPR points uh when he was the lead back I got him as a low-end running back three, and that's kind of right ahead of where uh, high-value handcuffs like Pollard and Madison are. He's running back 38 on keep trade cut, so I'm I'm not completely off my rocker here in terms of overall value. I'm just like a little bit lower on Pollard than the market. But I kind of want to remain. I want to continue to be slightly above market on Khalil Herbert just because I'm a believer I think he's got a good shot of being the lead back there in 2023. You know, I'm not going to say like plus 50%, but a reasonable shot. And Montgomery, uh, I think he's good, but I think he's a running back that plays a bruising style, kind of like Chris Carson, to where he can get nicked up. And when he does, Khalil Herbert is going to is gonna play really well. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tarek. I think uh, Montgomery is definitely a risk to not get re-signed in Chicago after this season. And even if he does get re-signed, this could very well turn into like a Zeke Pollard situation where you just can't leave Herbert on the sideline because he's a talented player. So yeah, I, I agree with kind of prioritizing him over some of the other handcuffs in this range. I'm going to stand firm in my ground, Still, still be a David Montgomery truther here. I think as long as Monty's there, he's going to get the lion's share. But I do agree Khalil Herbert looked good. And uh, if you have Monty, that's the kind of that's the kind of handcuff you want, because even if you're against the mentality of having a handcuff on the same team, like you just mentioned, they may not even be on the same team here soon. So why not just invest in both? All right. Okay, well, that's going to do it uh, for today's episode of The Long Game. We talked rookie running backs. Next week, we're going to finish up this series. We're going to talk about the tight ends. And we'll also have another segment because, you know, uh, rookie tight ends aren't going to take up a whole lot of time. You know, there's there's basically two guys and then everyone else. But uh, until then, guys, we will see you next week. All right. Go Treezus. Go